Paychecks in the Office listeners. You can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. This is State of Emergency. What's up, everyone? It's Chicks in the Office with Rhea and Fran giving you that Friday energy on a Monday. I, for one, don't really have that much energy. I have to say, as I was saying that, I was like, oh, no, I feel my energy levels going down as these words are coming out of my mouth. Um, But that's okay. We're here to get it back up. I'm very excited to talk about the topics today. We have a huge interview, of course. But just a reminder, this podcast, as always, is presented by Macy's, our favorite place to shop, especially during this time while we're at home. You know, a lot of us are doing internet shopping online. And where do we go? We go to Macy's. We shop our favorite brands. Um, you know, one of my favorite brands, Free People. A lot of the stuff that you can find on Free People, you can actually find on Macy's even better. Their shoes. I got new Converse from there, two pairs. I'm very excited about that. And just a lot of loungewear, some sets that I'm just lounging in around the apartment, and a lot of great outfits that I cannot wait to wear once we are out of here. I'm sitting in a room. I've changed locations, but this room has been like my Macy's room. Like I have all my stuff um, right next to me. I'm looking at all of it right now, and I'm very excited um, to wear all of this stuff when we are able to get out. And It's also almost Mother's Day, so if you're looking to do shopping for your mom, Macy's is the best place to do it. I bought my mom some stuff and sent it to her um, already. I know she's very excited for it. I'm excited for her to get it. And not only does Macy's have great clothes, they have great beauty stuff, makeup, skincare, just travel stuff, everything. I just bought a new Foreo, that kind of the the face... uh, I don't even know how to describe it. You wash your face with it. It like vibrates. It's a lot of influencers and beauty people use it. And I've seen it all over. And obviously Macy's has it. So I got one of those. I'm very excited to try it. Um, Because like I just said, Macy's has absolutely everything you need. And you can find all of our favorites at Macy's.com slash chicks in the office. That is right, Fran. Just go to Macy's.com slash chicks in the office. Shop our looks. Fran, how are you doing on this lovely Sunday afternoon, which feels like the morning because I only woke up an hour ago. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling today? Um, I'm, I'm good. I feel good. This, you know, it's really just the simple things. Joe made a amazing bacon, egg, and cheese this morning that just like set the mood for the day. Like it was like, wow, this is a really good sandwich. That's lovely. And, um, now I feel good. The weather's kind of gross. So it's like a good lazy Sunday for sure. Not that the days of the week really even matter, but it has that lazy Sunday vibe. I don't know. We just got the news that Kristen Cavallari and Jay Cutler are getting divorced. Like just happened. We'll talk about it, but we've, we just saw it. So that's really all that I'm thinking about. But Rhea, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm chilling. I feel <laughs> like you know, it is what it is at this point. There was a time where like every time we started the show, we would talk about Corona and what's going on. And of course, we're still reminded of that every day. But at this point in time, I just wake up and I have accepted the fact that I can't go anywhere. And I just live in my apartment. Yesterday, I made weed brownies for the first time ever. So that was fun. I'm surprised that that was the first time you've ever done it. 
Yeah, it was weird. Hank randomly was just like, why don't you try and make weed brownies? And I was like, okay. And I realized that my mom yeah. had given me a box of uh, brownie mix at the beginning of quarantine when she dropped some stuff off for me. So shout out to my yeah. mom for that. Thank you, mom. I made weed brownies with your wonderful mix you yeah. dropped off. And um, yeah, it was my first time. And I was kind of nervous because there's so much work that goes into well, it. There, like, it, it. It's way harder than people think. Like you right. have to become a scientist at the beginning. Yeah. Like you're literally, you're doing lab work. <laughs> I felt like I was in Breaking Bad. Like I, I yeah. was like, oh my God, I'm separating things. You have to look up stuff. But uh, I ended up just asking my cousin who is basically a chef slash pothead. So I feel like that was the best. Combine the two. <laughs> Combine the two. And he felt like I knew what I was doing. And uh, yeah, I felt like it worked. I mean, I was pretty high. Hank was like on another planet, which was hilarious to watch, but girls were DMing me. They were like, this is what I did to make them and they didn't work. And the amount of work these people were putting into their brownies and it just never worked for them. And mine, it only took like, I say it it took a lot of work. I only, it only took like two hours. Some people were doing it for eight hours and it didn't work. Like yeah, I think you reach a point where you just did too much now and now there's nothing left there's no THC left to give that. I don't know. I don't know the science behind it, but uh, that was fun. No. Yeah. It's if you've never done it and you think that you're just like going to bake weed into the brownie, it's just not what you have to do. No, you don't just throw the weed and mix it together and throw it in the oven. Like that's just not how it works. Um, But I didn't do that. I did you know, I'm not going to start. No, you did the whole process. It, I did a whole process. Yeah. And yeah, I think I have a whole batch now that I have been having to avoid because I, I keep going to think they're regular brownies and I'm like, no, 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 stop yourself. You See, do not want to go down this path. Yeah. My cousin gave me strict instructions. He was like, never eat more than one as much as you think that you want to do yeah. not, which obviously yeah. I've had wheat brownies before. It is not my own. So yeah, it's a dilemma when the actual brownie is really good, like just tastes really good. Cause then you, the weed brownie makes you want to have more brownies, but you don't have any, you have to make regular brownies on top of like the weed brownies and then Uh separate them. (laughs) Yeah. I thought about that. thought that was too much work. So I'm just going to (laughs) make, I'm going to make crunch wraps again today. I feel like that's a fun, that is a good idea activity to, uh, at this point, I'm just hungry. Like, that's it. At yeah. all times, I am hungry. All yeah. the time. But it is what it is, Fran. I, I think we got, like, I mean, I don't want to say how much time we have left because I think that, I think that this is a thing that we're going to be doing for a long time. in Well yeah. into the summer. Right. Well, it's crazy because for those listening who maybe aren't in New York or in different places, a lot of the restrictions and every like a lot of things are being lifted in the next you know week or so in a lot of different states new york is not going to be like that obviously because new york is the worst place so it's going to be a while for us most likely so even the people other people who kind of do go back to normal life in in different places um for us it probably you're right is going to be uh into the summer would be would be my guess as well. So we'll see. We're, we'll, we'll keep, keep doing what we're doing. 
We're just pushing along, chugging along, keeping this train going, yep. providing you the entertainment that you need to get through this. Um, I've seen a lot of really nice messages from people uh, to both my account, Chicks in the Office, Fran. I'm sure that you've been yeah. getting a lot of nice messages as well. Uh, so I just want to say thank you to those people who are sending us love. And I just want to send you love back because it makes us feel good. It makes us want to keep doing this, entertaining yeah. you guys. And, um, you know, the people who are you know, at work right now. And then they say that we're keeping them distracted and keeping them entertained. That is the highest compliment that you can give to us by far. You know what I mean? Like if you are going through a hard time and then you come to us and you say, Hey, you are really providing me with this laughter and entertainment. I love you. Thank you for that. I agree. Um, It's definitely really, really nice. We have a bunch of topics to get into. Of course, we are going to be talking about Kristen Cavallari and Jay Cutler's divorce announcement. They just announced it about an hour ago. We're we're recording now. Uh, The Jonas Brothers' new documentary, Happiness Continues, on Amazon. Taylor Swift is calling out Scooter Braun once again. Clara Crawley sent out a cryptic tweet about some... uh, bachelorette contestants and of course we have our feel good segment and our interview with chase stokes and madeline La- oh, you have to redo this i can't mess up. <laughs> i was nervous okay and of course we have our interview with chase stokes and madeline klein aka john b and sarah cramp oh, god <laughs> i'm too excited don't put this in at this point keep this in just keep it no. in no, no, cut it out. Cut John B. And John B. and Sarah Cameron from Outerbanks. Uh, we are so excited to have them on the show. We talked to them for about an hour. We're going to be talking to Rudy and uh, Jonathan Davis as well this week. So that's really exciting. But make sure you listen to this. They are amazing people. So let's get into it. Starting off with Kristen Capillary and Jay Peller. So in very sad and devastating news on this dreary Sunday while we're recording, Kristen Cavallari and Jay Cutler have announced that they are getting a divorce. In quarantine, no less. Like people, this is just the news that people do not need right now. And I, I was shocked. I think a lot of people were shocked. This is definitely something... I didn't see coming. I mean, they were just in the Bahamas for like a month on that, on vacation. That seemed like they were having a grand old time, but but maybe not. I relationships are complicated. Who knows what's been going on? But um, Kristen posted on Instagram and wrote with great sadness. After ten years together, we have come to a loving conclusion to get a divorce. We have nothing but love and respect for one another, and are deeply grateful for the years shared, memories made, and the children we are so proud of. This is just a situation of two people growing apart. We ask everyone to respect our privacy as we navigate this difficult time within our family. So I see. I was so upset, but 
looking back now on Kristen Cavallari and Jay Cutler's Instagram, more Kristen Cavallari because she posts frequently and Jay Cutler doesn't post that frequently. When they were in the Bahamas, Kristen Cavallari did not post one picture with Jay Cutler. Every picture she posted right. that looked like a couple picture was actually just with her hairdresser. So anytime I saw Kristen Cavallari with a guy recently, I was like, oh, it's Jay Cutler. Scroll right past it. It was not. It was her yeah. hairdresser. So I feel like this is something maybe that was going on for a while. I mean, they were in the Bahamas together, uh, stuck there with their kids, but maybe it was like a last effort. Let's go on vacation, see if things get better. I mean, yeah. imagine getting... Getting a divorce during quarantine, I can't think of anything worse than that besides actually getting corona. Like you are going yeah. through a divorce while you're stuck in the same house and then you decide to announce that to the public right now. My thoughts are why? Because I feel really bad for them, obviously. But why now? Like, why are you announcing yeah. this right now? <laughs> like, this is just... It's, it feels strange to not like go through it private, privately and then maybe they just had, maybe they have been, maybe they, maybe yeah. they're so done with each other that they're yeah. like, that's it. I'm telling the world that I'm done with you because I'm so fucking sick of you. <laughs> or maybe they just like quarantine. They've had so much alone time. I, I, granted, not really because they just came like the Baham, the coming back from the Bahamas wasn't that long ago, but I don't know. It makes me think how everyone was kind of joking about how during this time, it's like a make or break for couples. Couples will thrive. Couples will bend and break, like having to be forced to spend this much time together and, you know, laughing about, oh, marriages or divorces and marriages are going to end. And, you know, people can't be in the same house with each other for this long. And you see Kristen and Jay and it's like, oh, I guess that's, you know, maybe a similar situation. They were in the same house for too long and they were like, this is, we're not really a great couple anymore. Maybe they realize that they're just better as parents and they just like kind of parent and like the love within that relationship isn't, isn't really there anymore. Um, who knows? I think that, um, that could totally be possible, but in my opinion, now this could not be you know, the case for everyone. But I feel like if you weren't having problems uh, pre-quarantine and then you go into quarantine and then you start having problems, right? I feel like that's the time where you need to sit down and be like, okay, we are just fighting right now because we're stuck in the same place. We weren't like this before in our regular day-to-day lives. We need to take it easy. Yeah. But I feel like if you were already having problems, then it makes so much sense by the time you get to right. quarantine that you're like, all right, I'm done with you. We have to get a divorce because I can't even live with you anymore. So yeah. maybe that was the case. Maybe it's been going on for longer than we know. I'm sure that is probably the case. I mean, we don't know these people. They don't tell us everything about yeah. their lives. And uh, like we were talking about before, we have seen some drama happen yeah. in their relationship because of one of Kristen's friends claim yep, that a lot her, of rumors her and jay were sleeping together and let me tell you it would not be easy for me to get over like if i was married and then all of a sudden my friend was saying she slept with my husband i, right. I don't really know how well well we'd get through it she ha- she didn't say that they were together but she didn't say that they weren't you know like the right. rumors the rumors started that there was something going on and 
she like didn't step up and totally deny what was going on. And I think that really pissed off Kristen. So it's definitely not a good sign when those, you know, rumors even exist in the first place, but I don't know. These Kristen and Jay, you, you hope that they have figured it out because, you know, when they first got together, um, there, they did have a breakup, you know, before they had gotten married and they had worked it out and got back together and everything. So it sucks that, you know, they weren't able to, to make it work. And it's sad because that probably means no more Jay on Very Cavalry. And I think he's a lot of people's favorite part of the show too. Uh, I was thinking that as well. I feel like that was everyone's first thought. They were like, no, Jay's not going to be on, on uh, yeah. Very Cavalry. <laughs> but I also thought, and this is just fucked up of me for loving the reality TV show game. I was like, what if Kristen goes back in time? She starts seeing Brody Jenner again. All of a sudden she's back on the Hills. And then we have like the full Hills cast back together. Yeah. Just saying. I, I'm not going to lie. That thought also popped into my head. I can't, <laughs> I can't deny that I didn't think that either. I'm, and I saw that and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe she could go back in the Hills. But <laughs> right. Like there's the opportunity. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it is that that is crazy i just and it's sad because you know they do have three small kids so hopefully they they make it work and give that you know co-parenting life they they crush that so that these kids don't um suffer at all and it'll be i'm sure they'll figure it out she they're both very strong people but it's very sad and like you said Super unfortunate timing. Have some more drama in Bachelor Nation. Not shocking because the offseason does not quit. These people, they're, they're not messing around. They keep us filled with the drama all year round. Yep. And now Claire is stepping into the ring uh, to share her thoughts about it. contestants going on Cameo and doing interviews. Uh, AKA, this was a direct shot at Matt James. Direct. Um, who we like. We like a lot. Matt is a great guy, and he just got caught in the Claire crossfire here. Yeah. Claire, this this tweet shows what kind of bachelorette Claire is going to be, and this is what I said to you from the beginning, is that she was she will not be afraid to, like, give these guys a piece of her mind if, if that needs to happen um so she had tweeted if you are doing interviews and creating cameo accounts before you are even on my season dot 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 you are in it for the wrong reasons dot 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 hashtag don't waste your time so yeah like you said obviously this is about matt james matt is tyler cameron's best friend they are you know in quarantine together we've got a lot of content from them matt's in all the TikTok, you know, all the TikToks, the TikTok crew. 
it seems like he and Hannah Brown got really, really close. Like they seem like best friends and it's, it's, and, and it sucks because um, Matt has really kind of been doing a lot of this stuff for charities, donating the money from cameo. He's trying to support these kids. He's doing these interviews talking about the ABC food tours. Right. But uh, Claire does not care. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's kind of a sticky situation because also if you think about the other contestants that are going on this season, like maybe they're also making TikToks and whatnot, but you're not seeing them because they're not well known. Like Matt James is Matt James is well known because, and this, I don't know if this sounds wrong or not, but it's kind of true is because he's best friends with Tyler. He's always with Tyler. Yeah. They are always together. They are in quarantine together. So we see them together every single day and people have learned to really like him. Um, from getting to know him through Tyler and then the ABC food tours last year and just like everything yeah, making him known. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's just kind of a, they kind of had to expect that with him anyway, that he was going to be out there because he already was out there. He wasn't like a no name yeah. person beforehand in bachelor nation. Right. People knew who he was before he was cast on the show. So right. it's, it's, it's a tough situation. Now, do I think that they're like meant to be together? N- no. So <laughs> yeah, Fran's just moving her head back and forth. No, no. But I do think that he would be great in the Bachelor franchise, but like, yeah, maybe not this season. Now, who knows like what's going to happen because I'm sure they're going to keep him on still because Claire is going to yell at him face to face. And that's the kind of drama we need on this next yeah. season. But I did not expect Matt James to be the one with the problems going on this show. You know, I thought Matt James was going to go show and people were going to be like, oh my God, we love Matt James, Matt for Bachelor. And now I feel like he's going to be painted in a different light. But meanwhile, what you're saying with the charities, like he's doing a good thing. He's not, he doesn't seem to be doing it for um, like selfish reasons. If he's donating it to charity and whatnot and he's trying to spread the news about that. So kind of a messy situation it definitely is and the reality is this show claire cannot be selfish enough (laughs) to think that every person cast on this show at this point is like dying to marry her i i know that that is the premise of the entire thing and you're supposed to be there for the right reasons but the show has just evolved that's just not the way it goes anymore. They totally cast people who they think could be good bachelors or who could be good on Bachelor in Paradise. Like they, they are looking at all those things now. And even from the beginning, when we saw the first uh, group of guys that were cast on this season, and Matt was on the list, both of us were like, "Well, that's probably not going to work out with Claire," <laughs> but. Um, he would be great on Paradise. He would be great as a bachelor. I still think that. I still think he would be a great bachelor. And so I'm I'm still going to be Team Matt because I like you said I we've we've met him. We've hung out with him. He's a great guy. And if he, um, if he gets out of the limo and Claire just rips him to shreds right away and sends him home. All right, he he gets sent home, but he's technically in the world, so maybe he'll just pack his bags to go to paradise. 
Right. I agree with you. I, I'm also going to be on Matt's side, but I feel like he's probably not going to last as long as uh, initially expected in the next season. Yeah. But he can go on Paradise. He could still be a part of the franchise. I mean, he's still best friends with Tyler. That's not going to change. So we're still going to see totally. him around. And I think all in all, he's a good guy. Like, I don't think he had bad intentions and when no. he was doing this. So No. I don't think I don't think it is grounds for him not being on the show. I think that would be unfair and that he should continue like unless unless ABC does something but I don't think they would. Like I think he, you know, he'll stay cast and if Claire really is that pissed off and she just immediately sends him home then so be it he becomes like grocery store Joe. I don't think he can. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be bigger I, and, than the Yes, in point. the means of in the means of like being sent home on the first night, but still being beloved right. and continuing on on the show. If you're listening to this, you might be working from home right now. You might not even want to go to the grocery store because you're scared like me. I don't want to go anywhere at all as much as I can stay at home. I do. And with the help of Sakara, they make it easy. Sakara is a nutrition company that believes wellness begins with what you eat. Their signature nutrition program brings the transformational power of plant nutrition to your home in the form of fresh, plant-rich, ready-to-eat meals made with organic ingredients and powerful superfoods. Each meal is expertly designed to boost immunity, improve energy, support gut health and digestion, and get skin glowing. Guys, I absolutely recommend Sakara 100%. I have been eating their meals. I actually just had a smoothie bowl this morning. I made a little bit of eggs, scrambled eggs with hot sauce, and I had the smoothie bowl on the side. It was delicious. It had strawberries and kiwis in it with some granola. It was so good. The other day for lunch, I had their um, mushroom pasta salad, which you can either eat cold or hot. I ate it cold because it reminded me of my mom's pasta salad that I can't eat right now but it was still so good, so delicious. And if you just don't feel like going to the grocery store or you don't feel like cooking for yourself, these meals are already done for you. You just keep them in your fridge, warm them up if you want to, or just eat it cold like I did. Uh, all of Sakara's meals are 100% plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free, and non-GMO. In addition to their delicious meals, Sakara also offers daily essentials like supplements and herbal teas to complete your wellness routine and support overall health and vitality. To boost immunity, try their best-selling daily probiotic blend or detox water drops with pure chlorophyll. And right now, Sakara is giving our listeners 20% off their order when they go to sakara.com slash chicks for, or you can enter code chicks at checkout. Once again, that's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash chicks to get 20% off your order. Once again, sakara.com slash chicks for 20% off. Guys, trust me, these meals are already made for you. They're delicious. You're going to want to do it. Get it now. Sakara.com slash chicks for 20% off your order. This week, Taylor Swift went on Instagram to post a 
pretty lengthy story. She's once again coming after Scooter Braun, Big Machine. It looks like they were kind of secretly releasing a live performance from her from 2008. You know, obviously, like we talked about this a billion times before, but Big Machine, they own all of Taylor's masters and uh, Scooter bought Big Machine. So she wrote, Hey guys, I want to thank my fans for making me aware that my former record label is putting out a album of live performances of mine tonight. This recording is from a 2008 radio show performance I did when I was 18. Big Machine has listed the date as a 2017 release, but they're actually releasing it tonight at midnight. I'm always honest with you guys about this stuff, so I just wanted to tell you that this release is not approved by me. It looks to me like Scooter Braun and his financial backers, 23 Capital, Alex Soros, and the Soros family, and the Carlisle Group have seen the latest balance sheets and realized that paying $330 million for my music wasn't exactly a wise choice and they need money. Laugh. It laughing face emoji. In my opinion... Just another case of shameless greed in the time of coronavirus. So tasteless, but very transparent. So here we have more drama unfolding between Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun and the big machine label company group, whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> it's, it's such a confusing <laughs> name. Like, don't you agree? There's something confusing yes. about this name. Um, yes. But of course, we have more drama with that. And it seems like... Scooter Braun now is grasping at anything to make money off Taylor Swift while he can. And we're not really seeing him talk about it as much, but we're seeing Taylor Swift kind of shed light on it. Her fans are obviously super detectives where I don't even think any of us would have known this was happening until Taylor Swift told everyone it was happening because her super fans found it. But I do understand why she needs to address something like this when her super fans are the ones Uh, finding it out because when you think about it like those are the people you turn to to find out information about yourself and other people you know what I mean totally so I I get why she addressed it and it just seems like such a another shady move on their part I don't know why they can't just leave it alone they have Ariana Grande uh Justin Bieber Demi Lovato right he has all these great clients why is this still a thing that he needs to be making money off Taylor Swift. I'm so confused well, by it, honestly. Well, Big Machine is its own separate thing. And Big Machine is a, a smaller label. But because of Taylor Swift, that was really what catapulted them. And so he, like, really, like Taylor said, he really spent all that money to have Taylor songs. And now be in charge of this label that obviously is not thriving without Taylor Swift because she was the star of the show there and now she's gone and they what she what it seems to be trying to uh make sure that they're still using Taylor's masters to to keep the the label alive and to keep doing stuff at at big machine now I read this variety article that was also interesting on just kind of explaining um a lot of this stuff so they had wrote that while there has been no official comment from big machine insiders say the material was made available to uh, oh my goodness this is a pop-up ad okay um was made available to dsps after a license for the live show was expired and got renewed and that the label has no expectation of a windfall from the album 
but is likely to make $60,000 $80,000 in a year from it being available for streaming. Insiders with knowledge of the thinking at the label camp says this was considered a routine release of material that had already been out publicly and that despite Swift's well-known feelings about the handling of her catalog, there was no deliberate intention of antagonizing the singer. Um, and then says the label is known to have a library of Swift's tra- tracks that have never been uh, never released out in any form, which it maintains it has the right to release, although there are not known plan known to be any plans to do so. Um, so and and it's it's weird because this live from Clear Channel strip 2008, which is you know the the album that Taylor is referring to, has never been released in album form. But three of the songs have gotten limited official releases in years past. Two tracks um, were on video on a bonus DVD for a tar- Target exclusive for Fearless, and then the third was the B side of um, a record that was put out last year. So. It just seems like this was, I really think that's something that they sneaky thought that they could just put out and nobody would really notice or care. And like you said, 60000 80000 it's not a, a, an insane amount, but if they're making money from people streaming these songs, then great, that's, that's the point. So I feel like they just put it out maybe hoping no one would notice and then people would stream it and they could just continue to, to go on their way. I don't know how at this point they would think they can get a, get anything by Taylor Swift without her noticing or without totally. people letting her know. I mean, she has spies all over the place, uh, which is clear because every time something is about to be released, she knows about it and gets in front of it. So, you know, I don't know if this feud or whatever it is is ever going to end. I feel like it's yeah. always going to be a back and forth thing until that contract is officially – or, well, I mean, now – no. Well, now until she maybe re-records her stuff because it's, it's tough because you also think we probably would have never seen this being released. Like I had not seen anything about it until Taylor posted about it. And I, like you said, I feel like a lot of people are probably the same way. So it makes me think Taylor addressing it puts even more um, attention behind it. Like I wouldn't have gone to search it on Apple music if I didn't see it. And now I know that it's there and I'm sure a lot of other people maybe did that as well and will actually listen to it. It could potentially help them get more streams. So maybe Taylor's just better off not, you know, letting it go, but she does clearly does not feel that way. She will, she's going to take every opportunity she can to say something about Scooter Braun, that's, I think that's confirmed. I'm a sucker for you. The Jonas Brothers officially released their new documentary, Happiness Continues, on Amazon Prime. Obviously, this was a great surprise to every Jonas Brothers fan out there. We did not know a second uh, documentary was coming. They announced it on Wednesday or Thursday, and then all of a sudden it was out early. So it was very exciting. Fran, how did you feel about this documentary? I thought it was great. Um, 
it, it's a great tour documentary. You sometimes I think people go into the tour documentaries with really high expectations of tons of behind the scenes stuff. And there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but the majority of a tour documentary is the tour and watching them perform. So it was great, I think, to relive a lot of those moments and to relive the whole tour because the Happiness Begins tour was just so awesome. But it was great. I mean, I watched Thursday. Well, Thursday night was the draft. So I had to wait after after that too and I felt so bad because I was watching with my um Jonas friends on zoom and and I they I made them all wait for me like it came out way earlier in the night and I made them all wait but they're all amazing ladies and they waited and we got to all watch together and then um talk about it but I I look obviously I loved it (laughs) I kind of wish maybe you know could have just a little spotting, a little re and spotting somewhere. None. Absolutely zero. <laughs> and like, I wouldn't even be mad if, if just you were in it and not me. Like, I'm just shocked in yeah. general that you weren't even in it in one spot. Because even though we went to five shows together, you went to like eight in total. Yeah. So I, I, I'm confused how you got no camera time whatsoever. What is going What's on? going on? Can you hear me? Hold on, hold on an ad started playing on my, on my thing. Okay. I was like, wait, okay. is that me talking yeah. or something else? No. <laughs> I was confused just in general why you weren't even spotted not once, you or your Jonas friends. Like I was looking for yeah. everybody. It was very frustrating. Although, you know, the Jonas Brothers, we still love you and appreciate you. Thank you for coming on the show. But, you know, just a little, little sneak peek. We I know. right next to Priyanka at one of the shows. <laughs> and, and it's funny because, and we are really joking, guys. It's like the, yeah. it, the whole We're thing was, for much, yes, the whole, we'll yes, because the, the whole thing was, but I think kind of in the trailer, sort of in the beginning, it made it seem like they were using footage from so many shows when I think they used footage from like four shows, you know, like it doesn't really seem like it was that different. Like they used, I would say a majority Mexico city. Like if that's like, like you, it would change, but I think the crowd and then when they were performing, you could see the um, signs in the arena and the signs were in Spanish. So I'm like, okay, they use, they use Mexico city for a, for a lot of it, but I was cute and I love seeing them build the tour. Um, I, they're still like so mean to Kevin sometimes. <laughs> just like when they were in the Coliseum and they were, they were looking out and the, the, they're setting the stage and everything. And Kevin tried to get like sentimental being like, you know, I, I didn't know if I was ever going to be doing this again and being here with you guys. And Nick and Joe were like, cool story, Kevin. <laughs> it's, <laughs> It just opens up the gates for everybody to act like that to Kevin. And this I know. Is the problem we have with Hank and what yeah. he says about him and part of my take is because Joe and Nick are influencing the Kevin bullying, right. which is fine because they're his brothers. Yes. His at brothers. the end of the day, right. At the end of the day, they're all brothers. Like I'm right. the oldest, I'm the oldest in my family and my two younger siblings like shit on me all the time. Like that, I am Kevin Jonas. Like they, I'll tell a story or, you know, say, you know, whatever it is. And literally my, two of my siblings will be like, sick story, friend. Like tell it again. 
Like that, like it's, that's just, I witnessed this in Florida. I I felt like one of your younger siblings. Like I was kind of joining in with Gia and Gia. Every time. Like I am Kevin Jonas and Nick is literally my sister Gia. And who's just like, cool, Kevin. (laughs) And it happens every time. Himself. Get out of the shop, please. Oh, goodbye. Goodbye. Disgusting. Um, but no, it was sad because Kevin again brought up being left out of the shows. It's like, and it kind of got serious again, where they were talking about that a little bit. But then I would say the majority of the documentary was very happy. They all seem like so, so happy to be all together and to do the tour and to have the girls there. And Joe, oh, Joe, talking about when he sings, hesitate. And his, he, how it's like he wrote his vows before actually writing his vows and he closes his eyes for half the song when he sings it because he pictures Sophie walking down the aisle again. It's just... I was crying big oh time during God. that. Oh my God. It's so beautiful. And then they're also just so funny. Like seeing Sophie slap him in the face for, for his pre-show um, rituals and Sophie just rocking out to the songs and all of them having so much fun at the shows. It was just great. Although, and I was very jealous of that Chicago show. Like I, and I, which is so unfair because we've had so many cool um, shows and opportunities that we, where we've gotten to see them, but they played that small club in Chicago and they used a lot of footage from it a lot. And it just, it was great because it seemed like they were all just so happy to be to be together with the gang. Yeah, it honestly it was it made me feel good that we went to as many shows as we did because watching that back if we didn't yeah. I would be so jealous of all the people at these shows because it looked so awesome on the TV. It was even better in person and it just made me think about like the Jonas Brothers era that we had in the summer because it's kind of past now, especially, I mean, <sighs> no concerts at this point in time. Yeah. But we got our fair share in while oh, we could. We sure did. We sure did. 2019 was just the year of the Jonas and it was just fantastic. Um, Friday night, they jumped in people's Zooms. So like you could send their meeting ID and whatever. And it was so funny because my friends, we were in a Zoom and two of the girls were in another Zoom and they are, I mean, next, like next level. Like I I am crazy, but I love them to death. They are next level. And they, two of them were part of the group that were flown to LA when they first announced that they were getting back together. And it was like a surprise and they got all their fans and you can watch the video on YouTube. Two of them are in the video. And so they were in a separate Zoom and we the Jones brothers j- went into that zoom. And so my friends were on their zoom, like with the Jones brothers, but then on their phones with our zoom <laughs> and just like, we're filming the zoom on their phone. So and we you- all, would, we were all just dead silent listening to them talk. You, so you decided to not tell me this. And I was, just- I'm telling you right now that, but that's so that's Joe. <laughs> That's I so, I feel like we're not even <laughs> friends at this point that you didn't even text me that, like, when it happened. Noah, don't you feel a little off about that? No, I, sometimes I like to I'm keep things a secret. I'm surprised that you didn't, like, 
No, but you the thing is though, like when things the thing happen, is, is they we're weren't, friends and we yes. text each other. It was I'm very thrown off right yeah. now. But well, I mean they it is weren't, they I'll weren't keeping it, secrets. I know. They weren't in my Zoom is the thing. Like if I if I physically talked to them, I would have I would have obviously said something, but I was like super quiet and couldn't even really understand what they were saying the whole time. And it was really quick. But, All right. That's that's fair, but they still popped up kind of yes. in your Zoom. It was, it, we Zoomed in, we were watching another Zoom that they, that they were in. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So it was, yeah. I don't know how to describe that. Inception Zoom. Yeah. Um, it doesn't but yeah. seem like we're getting a new album. I thought like the new album would be coming sooner than later, but it seems like it's done. And I don't know. There was a new song at the end of the documentary. X is what it's called. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know when a new album would be coming because it's not like, I feel like with artists now, it's promoting it is way different. Although I think yeah. new music is great while we're all inside and everyone would appreciate new music. I also feel like artists want to be able to like go sing their new music as well. Yeah. So we'll see. Either They're way, all in though. different places too. So I'm sure it's hard with everybody in different homes and different locations, but... The documentary was a was a nice a nice gift. It was very kind of them. You guys know that we absolutely love Coors Light. It is our favorite beer, and there is truly only one beer out there that's literally made to chill. When you are feeling like there's a lot going on, you need to sit down, you need to relax, do that with the Coors Light. It's the best way to just sit back, relax. Maybe you're binging a show. Maybe you're just hanging out with um, you know, your your the people you are with right now. Maybe you're just hanging out via Zoom or virtually with people and you want to crack open a Coors Light. It is the best way to just relax and chill. Coors Light is mountain cold refreshment made to chill. It's brewed with a three-step cold process, cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged so it's actually made to chill. The mountains on Coors Light's cold activated bottles and cans turn blue when chilled to perfection. Born in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado in 1978, Coors Light is refreshing, crisp, and only 102 calories. Like I said, I've now gotten into a rhythm Friday or Saturday night. Maybe I'm uh, FaceTiming or Zooming with with friends or just hanging out in the house. The best way to do that is with a Coors Light. It's just the easiest way to relax. Or even maybe if I'm just binging a new show, Coors Light is our go-to beer. That's why Coors Light is the one we choose when we need a moment to chill. So when you want to reset, reach for that beer that's made to chill. And right now you can have Coors Light delivered by going to get.coorslight.com and finding local delivery options near you. Once again, that's get.coorslight.com. CoorsLight.com. It's coming from the Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And guys, always remember to celebrate responsibly. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you guys. Thank again. you guys so the much. The world's most refreshing podcast. Mm. <laughs> yes. We have two stories to talk about today for our feel good segment. One of them is I love, it's fantastic. It has to do with Beyonce. Beyonce 
announced that she will be donating $6 million to mental health facilities during coronavirus. She announced that her BYGOOD, B-Y-G-O-O-D initiative will donate $6 million to support mental health organizations. In a statement on her website, she announced that she's partnering with UCLA and Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey's Start Small to uh, uh, to aid organizations that provide mental wellness services. Um, she's supporting organizations that are on the ground 24-7, including United Medical Center, Bread of Life, Matthew 25, and others to address these dire needs in some of the hardest hit, it, hit areas, providing basic necessities, including food, water, cleaning supplies, medicines, face masks, and personal hygiene items. Void of these basic necessities, mental burdens are also accelerated. Um, she's also partnering with the National Alliance on Mental, mental Illness to provide local support in Houston, New York, New Orleans, and Detroit. And I mean, she's just doing a ton, a ton of great things. Um, the donation will not only combat the mental health toll on essential workers, but aid communities of color that are suffering at higher rates due to the coronavirus pandemic. Great work by Beyonce. Yeah. Very, very proud of Beyonce here. I mean, that sounds strange to be like, I'm proud of Beyonce. She's fucking Beyonce, but it's just nice to see celebrities doing great things with the money that they have, uh, that they're fortunate, fortunate enough to have and they understand that and they just want to help other people it's great to see and every time we see something something like this it just reminds me of ellen i'm like you know what ellen yeah. <laughs> you could learn from beyonce a little bit i know i know and and i love that you know she has been a part of these things you know she did the um she did the disney sing-along she you know she's been popping up here and there making sure that her voice is heard and making sure that she is highlighting um these things that these topics that some people aren't discussing or aren't as prevalent in the mainstream media. So that I'm, like I said, an amazing announcement from Beyonce. Um, the other story is Tom Hanks. I mean, honestly, at this point, anything with Tom Hanks just slap, feel good on it. Like it's just, there's, it's normally going to be something positive. Um, but Tom Hanks donated this typewriter to this uh, Australian boy, local eight-year-old boy. He was being bullied because his first name is Corona. And he wrote to Tom and Rita Wilson after they were diagnosed. Apparently he had said, I heard on the news you and your wife had caught the coronavirus. Are you okay? I love my name, but at school people call me the coronavirus. I get very sad and angry when people call me this. (laughs) So... Poor little eight-year-old. It's so sad. Lo and behold, the outlet reported that Tom saw the letter and replied with a special gift. Your letter made my wife and I feel so wonderful, Tom wrote. Thank you for being such a good friend. Friends make their friends feel good when they are down. I I saw you on TV, even though I was back in the USA already and all healthy. Even though I was no longer sick, getting your letter made me feel even better. Um, And then he sent him a Corona brand typewriter that he has posted on um, his Instagram before. And it has, you know, the Corona name written on it. And it said that he, I guess, you know, Tom later wrote his personal letter to Corona, ask a grown up how it works and use it to write me back. You've got a friend in me. (laughs) Tom. First of all, now, 
all those kids at school that were making fun of poor Corona are jealous that their name is not Corona because he got a gift from Tom Hanks. He got noticed by Tom Hanks and now they're all going to want to be his friend and he's going to tell them, hey, you know what? Too bad. Tom Hanks is my friend and you are not. Yeah. Yeah. And just Tom Hanks writes, he just writes the best notes, the best letters, the best replies. They're always, the sign-off is always fantastic. Like, I don't even, obviously it might not be as clear to this eight-year-old boy, but getting a letter from Tom Hanks with the last line being, you've got a friend in me, is just I could shed a tear right now. Chills. I could it, cry. I know. It's just uh, unbelievable and such a nice gesture. And it's uh, just Tom Hanks. What a guy continues. Four in the morning, and I'm zoning. They say I'm possessed. It's the omen. I keep it 300. Like the Romans, 300 bitches. Where the Trojans, baby, we living in the moment. I've been a menace for the longest, but I ain't finished. I'm devoted, and you know it, and you know it. So follow me, y'all, cause this shit about to go. I'm doing 500, I'm out of control. But there's nowhere to go, and there's no way to slow. If I knew what I knew in the past, would have been like that on your ass. We are here with two very special guests, Madeline Klein and Chase Stokes. They play John B. and Sarah Cameron in Netflix's new show, Outer Banks. We are pumped to have you guys here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Guys, we are, like you said, so excited. <laughs> We've done nothing but talk about this show for a week straight. Plus. That's amazing. Yes. I just want to go ahead and throw her under the bus. She did a little, <laughs> little fan art for you guys. Yeah, yeah. We want to- oh, <laughs> oh, cute. There you go. Oh, by the way, I didn't even talk about this in the other recaps. I have actually two things to mention. One, in the last episode, there was a Viva La Stool sticker, a Barstool sticker in the wreck, which I just found that out the other day. I didn't know. That's amazing. I didn't- yeah, I don't think you guys would know that, but I was very excited. And number two, number two, um, I did call Ward Cameron Cam Ward <laughs> I the entire night. Okay. So <laughs> I grew up playing hockey, like that was my jam my whole life. So when I heard that at first, I was like, "Hold on, Cam Ward. <laughs> like he's a goalie for the Carolina Hurricanes, yes. right?" So in the Carolinas, I was like, <laughs> "Are we are we playing a fun game?" <laughs> I think I just, like, had heard the name before, and it is already a name, so I just kept saying it. And afterwards, I was dying laughing when I saw the tweets. But they were like, well, come on the show if you admit that you said Cam Ward the entire time. This has happened. Here we are. Um, Well, I want to talk about how you guys even got in with the show in the first place, because I think the most... For me, when I listen to, you know, actors talk about new shows and such, I like to hear about the auditioning process because I feel like that's something that goes untalked about often. So I want to know what that was like for both of you. Mine's long. Okay. (laughs) Mine was short. Um, It was, I I auditioned in Charleston. Um, So I flew home to see my parents um, and then went to the production office and I was there like all day and um, Jonas pulled me aside and he's basically like, Hey, so we don't want Netflix to say no. So we're going to do this all different types of ways <laughs> so they can't say no. And that's when it was like, I was like, Oh, okay. 
And then after that, it was basically like, I mean, I, I really connected with Jonas and his daughter, Lila, um, who is dead body. Um, and what episode was that? Three, two, one, two um, or three, I think. Just count it down. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then after that, I like, I flew back to LA and then he called me and he was like, what, what the fuck? Where are you? <laughs> Why aren't you here? We need you here. And so after, so I, immediately flew back like packed up all my stuff um and it was pretty much like you know signed sealed delivered um and so but because it happened so fast I was like I'm gonna get fired like this is not real like they've got the wrong girl for sure like they don't I think they're really confused um but I never got fired (laughs) and here we are so that was that was my process it was definitely the shortest fastest um audition process i've ever been through yeah. ever and mine i so i got the audition for john b february like mid-february and um when an audition comes through as an actor you get an email and it's the character name what the character is supposed to be like and then it gives you a little breakdown of the show and then that's pretty much it and the first time I got the audition, it was the most bland email I've ever got. It just said four friends on a treasure hunt, Netflix, and the character name is John B. So I'm like, this is the fucking Goonies. Like, we're the <laughs> And I, so I said, no. I was like, I don't want to touch a piece of iconic cinema and destroy it. I was like, that's my worst nightmare is doing a, a bad reboot. So I told my agent, I was like, nope, not doing it. He pushed me and was like, dude, you need to do it. So I said no. And then, you know, obviously in LA, it's super expensive and, you know, money goes quick. So very quickly after that, I was on unemployment and uh, the role of Topper came through. And I was like, I don't even care at this point. Like, at least I'm not one of the main, you know, kids in the show. I can be like the stereotypical asshole on the outskirts. And so I read for it and um, it was like a really shitty day. It was like I had a lot of family stuff going on. And uh, I got a parking ticket as I was at the audition, forgot all my lines, like apologized to the casting director before I even read. Um, and I walked out of there and I was just like, oh, okay, I'm for sure going to get dropped from my, my agent. So <laughs> I grew up in Florida and the casting and acting community in the Southeast is very, very small. So the casting director who actually booked me my first job ever on this really unique and uh, one season VH1 series called Daytime Divas, which we won't talk about. Um, she called me and was like, Hey, I have this project called Outer Banks and they can't find their guy. Would you be interested in reading for it? And I was like, I don't really want to do it because I know it's a Goonies reboot. And I'm pretty sure I've butchered every relationship in this show because I just bombed the audition for Topper. And she's like, I've known Jonas my whole life. Um, we're really good friends. I'll send you the first episode, read it. I'll send you materials. And this is in April. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So she sends it and I read the pilot and I'm like, oh my God, like, this is not the Goonies. Like, I can't believe I screwed this up so bad. So I immediately called her back and I was like, yes, yeah, I I definitely want to read for this. So that was on Wednesday. So she's like, we'll hear back by Friday if they're interested. Um, It's going to be a quick turnaround because they're really starting to, you know, ramp up production. So I read um, and then I sent it in that night and Friday came and I didn't hear anything. So I was like, okay, it's Easter weekend. I'm just going to go to brunch and drink a bunch of mimosas and drown my, you know, sorrows away. And so I'm sitting at brunch with a bunch of friends. My agent calls me on a Sunday and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, happy Easter first. It's the Lord's day. Um, And then he's like, are you available? And I'm like, Tom, I'm unemployed. Uh, So yes. (laughs) He's like, I'll call you right back. And I'm like, 
this is either going to go one of two ways. Like, this is really not cool. And so I'm sitting at brunch with friends. I'm like, what's going on? Like, you keep walking away. So he calls me and he's like, I'm, you're getting on a flight. And I'm like, okay, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, next week, whatever. He's like, tonight, 1055, you're taking a red eye to Charleston. I'm sending you 19 pages of dialogue. The first four episodes, you need to get to the airport now. And it's like 3.30 in the afternoon. I'm in Pasadena, which is nowhere close to LAX. And so I just kind of looked at everybody around me. And I'm like, I got I to I go. Like, you know, like, what's going on? And I'm like, apparently I'm going to Charleston. Um, so I, I went to the airport, got on the plane. I sat, I'll never forget it. I was in 33B, which is the very last row of the plane in a middle seat on a red eye. And I was reading the entire night all the way through. I got to the airport. My credit card payment had gone through on my debit card and it had overdrafted my account. So I couldn't even get an Uber from the airport to go to the production office. So I called my mom and I was like, mom, this is really bad. I'm in Charleston. Why are you in Charleston? And I'm like, it's a long story. I am here for like maybe a job. I don't know if I'm going to get it. Probably not. But like, can I borrow a hundred bucks? And she's like, just go do the right thing. And I was like, okay. So I went from the airport to the production office. I walked in. I was like so bummed because of everything that had just happened. I hadn't slept in literally 48 hours. And I walk in and somebody's sitting on the couch and I had like my hood on and a hat. And I was like, hey, I know this is probably the weirdest question you're ever going to be asked, but I just sat in the middle seat on a red eye. Can you walk on my back? And he was like, uh, sure. Yeah. So she's walking on my back and uh, she just says like, I probably should have told you this beforehand, but uh, I'm Maddie. I'm playing Sarah Cameron. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. And then at that moment, Josh Jonas and the guys who created the show, they like walk out of the conference room and they see this happening. And they're like, okay, well, um, my work. we should probably do a chemistry <laughs> read real quick. And I was like, oh, we're doing a chemistry read. All right, sweet. So Maddie and I did our read. Everything went great. Jonas kind of tells me about their idea for the show He's like, why don't you come back tomorrow? We'll go over the materials. The, uh, the network test will be Wednesday. And I'm like, okay, so at least I have more than, you know, four hours to prepare for an audition this time. So um, I go back to the hotel or whatever. I come back to the production office the next day thinking, you know, we're just going to go over materials. So I just come in in like jeans and a pair of, like you're just a t-shirt, like not prepared for anything. And he walks out and he goes, surprise, we're doing a network test. And I'm like, oh, oh, I'm not getting this job. Like, <laughs> and the other dude who's reading for John B is like this drop dead, gorgeous Australian dude who has a beautiful accent. And I'm like, this is a wrap. Like I'm done. <laughs> you guys can go ahead and book my flight. Like it's been real. Thanks for flying me out. You know, I'm still broke, but whatever. And so I, uh, I got really frustrated at just like everything that had happened. So I like had a full flood, like a giant mental breakdown. And I was sitting out front of the production office, just kind of freaking out. And uh, Jonas walked out and he happened to like see me kind of panicking. And he was like, this is your job. And I was like, I don't understand. He's like, this is your job. So go fucking get it. And I was like, all right. So we went in, we did the reads and all this stuff. So Rudy and I read together, me and another kid read together. And it was just like kind of this combination of doing a bunch of different stuff. And um, so then we, we get an Uber or we're leaving. And I didn't, I, you know, I had like $25 at this point in my bank account. So I looked back and I'm like, you guys like give me an Uber or something back to the hotel. <laughs> I don't have money and I'm trying to eat dinner and this is just a, a bad situation. And I'm sorry. And Jonas just kind of laughed at me because I just, I had nothing at this point. And so Rudy was like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll call an Uber. And so Rudy sitting in the front seat, I'm sitting behind Rudy and this other kid reading for John B is sitting next to me. 
And I see Rudy like on his phone and we had lied to the Uber driver. We we're like, yeah, we're here, you know, for a Jeopardy taping. Um, <laughs> and, and full of ourselves. And uh, Rudy's like on his phone and I'm like, good man, you're, you're really quiet up there. And this other kid is just kind of sitting there doing his own thing. And uh, my phone rings and I didn't recognize the number. And I pick up the phone. I'm like, hey, it's Chase. I'm like, you got the fucking job, dude. Go get tan. Like, oh. And I just panicked. So I like, I was like, oh, shit. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> And the kid next to me was like, did you get the job? And I was like, no, no, uh, no, just uh, my <laughs> stuff. And he's like, right. And then I just see Rudy go. <laughs> and I was like. Yeah, yeah. Back to the hotel and like, the kid went down the hall and then Rudy and I like immediately ran to each other. And that's where it started. That was exactly one year ago today, too. Yeah. Wow. wow. Happy anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last night, um, Jonas sent us some of like our first auditions mm-hmm. and our chemistry reads, and it was funny because um, <laughs> this was before we had all like been out in the sun, and like I, my natural hair color is very like very dark brown, and so I saw the thumbnail. I was like, "Oh, these are for all the the actors, okay?" Because they kind of look similar to us, and then I. <laughs> It was us, like pre-tan, pre-getting like chemically dependent hair, mm-hmm. and <laughs> so yeah, no, that was that was exactly a year ago today, which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's insane. And the yeah. fact that you were in the car with the other person auditioning for John B, oh, like brutal. I'm just kind of crawling out of my skin thinking oh, about yeah. that, getting secondhand embarrassment. It was the worst, best experience I've ever had in my life because I just wanted to be on the phone and be like blowing up, but I'm just like, okay, we've got six minutes left in this Uber. Like, yeah, go a little faster. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was, it was really surreal. And then I never went back to LA. So I didn't get to home, go home and pack clothes. Like I had a small suitcase with like a pair of jeans, a pair of shorts and three t-shirts and a jacket. And that was it. So Emmy, who's the head of our wardrobe department, she was so great and she knew about everything because I kind of opened up to her that day. I was like, I don't have anything. She was like, just come in. We'll give you some clothes. Da, 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 da. So I showed up to the Netflix like dinner that they do for their new shows as they launch. She gave me a Charleston County jail shirt. And so I show up. I'd had a couple drinks beforehand. I'm like, what's up? And like, all of this. I'm here to party. Like, inmate number on the. And it's like this really nice restaurant. And they're like, yeah, that was so. Yeah, we were. <laughs> we had like we were go. They had us in boating lessons and everything, which was cool. Um, but we had we went straight from like doing that and swimming lessons, um, just so they could make sure we weren't lying about our swimming abilities. Um, and we showed up from from there to this dinner, and Chase has this Charleston County Jail shirt on. And I'm already like a couple glasses of wine deep. And Jonas is like, this is Emily. She's like an executive at Netflix. And I was like, oh, God, I need to be more sober. for This (laughs) This is not going to work out for me. So I proceeded to drink more wine. (laughs) That's my solution. Uh, Best solution. That's that's honestly the answer. Because when you feel like you're too drunk, there's nothing you can do at that point. You can't take back. Gotta keep rolling You're, with you it. You can't take it back. You just have to keep drinking. I'm like, my contract's signed. So if I make a fool of myself, this is on. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and the point you made up about uh you brought up about the clothes so first episode i saw you wearing duvin shout out to our friends at duvin um i, I also story austin who started duvin is a friend of mine so i grew up in orlando so me and austin over at duvin are like buddy buddy and we have like a very close relationship i'm actually waiting for a package from them right now so could show up at any second um yeah no i didn't even know at the time so i walked into my fitting and they had a bunch of his shirts and i actually were doing a couple times in the show and i immediately was like yo dude like i'm about to plug the hell out of your stuff like this is crazy and he's like first of all what are you talking about and i'm like okay i know like most of the time i'm broke and like down on my luck but like now i'm doing a netflix series and (laughs) shirts are going to be in it and he's like what so it's cool like to to come full circle and and do it actually Yeah. 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 I see it. Subtle plug. Um, But yeah, no, it's really cool to kind of like have this journey with, you know, a buddy from Orlando and and have him kind of get a little success off of what he's done in the past couple of years with this company. And then to like have it sort of combined into this weird thing. It's it's been really cool. Yeah. I get excited when um, like I wear stuff from Duvin and people are like, what, what is that from? I just like get really excited to shout Mm -hmm. them out. I had people ask us on the podcast. I talked about it. I was like, thinking about wearing some of my like Duvin stuff now because I'm really feeling this Outer Banks energy. And I had so many people DM me being like, what's the name of the brand? And now all those people are checking it out, which is awesome. It's crazy how Duvin's kind of become like a a staple, like Mm -hmm. a John B staple. It's so perfect too. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really like, I didn't have any idea what the wardrobe was going to be. I just kind of wanted it to be a little bit out there because you know this character does do a little bit of ridiculous shit throughout the entire show so we kind of tried to take pieces that um obviously were aged up that you would probably assume he just saw in the thrift store like a good one he's like i don't know it looks cool and then like after seeing the dude in shirt i was like i don't know if that's like a thrift store prime but whatever we're gonna plug it yeah right um, so it's cool it- you know? It is real. We the shirts are awesome. I Rhea was wearing one the other day, and I was like, "That button down's really cool." And she's like, "And I was like, it kind of reminds me of John B." She was like, "Yeah, it's Duvin. He wears them during the show." I was like, "Okay, maybe this is starting to get kind of weird." I had it yeah. before the show, so yes, yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I swear. Um, Matt- Madeline, you said that you guys were in like boating lessons and swimming stuff. Like, you guys do pretty crazy things throughout the show and I know more for like the boys too with all the fight scenes like Bree and I joke that there isn't a fight scene that doesn't end with the possibility of someone dying so how like how did you guys prepare to learn all those all of those things because they're it's kind of like very extreme they it's so I mean we had an amazing stunt department um shout out to Toby and Rob and Wolf like they were they were great about making sure that we were safe um but it's funny like everything about the show just they just like it's kind of like the audition process was kind of just like foreshadowing how the rest of the show would be it's just like we're just gonna throw this stuff at you and make it work um and so like we we had boating lessons that and we had swimming lessons and that was all fine and then you know for fights we obviously had rehearsals you know it's kind of like a dance we had to choreograph it and everything um but what's really cool about you know like our stunt department they were so good about you know making sure everything was choreographed that a lot of the shots that we got in the fight scenes are actually like us doing the choreography um but yeah no we i mean we tried we tried to prepare i think a few times I think like Rudy and Drew got got clocked 
by each other one yeah. time. Yeah, I was going to say somebody had to accidentally get yeah. punched oh, at least yeah. once. <laughs> there was one, I think it was it was at the the movie. Um there was one time I think like I think Drew went a little too hard and actually did get Rudy a little bit and there was like spit that kind of flew. Yeah. And you could just hear Bo our camera operator be like Yeah. <laughs> I was I was standing right behind Bo because on the days that I didn't work, I'm like a super camera nerd and want to direct in the future. So I was like, all right, how are we doing this? What's going on? So I'm like literally this far from Bo's back and he's like doing these camera moves to really sell the punches. And then one of them just like lands Actually, and you just yeah. see the, and yeah. he's like, Oh shit. They ended up like, using that shot too. I mean, why not? Yeah. But like, yeah, that's the most legitimate shot. Yeah, it, was, it, it, it sold. Yeah. Um, yeah. That day too, we were sneaking around like, so we weren't on set obviously because it was the pokes and the coops, like, you know, kind of going at it. And so we were like, why don't we go to set, dress up as background and try to sneak around and get in the shot for as long as possible without being recognized. And I think we were there for like two and a half, three hours, yeah. mm-hmm. like just running. We were raiding the mini bar at the country club. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got really literally nice. almost <laughs> yeah. away. We got literally two feet in front of the camera and then JD turns around. He's like, really? <laughs> yeah. And then we were like, God. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it was like they had, they had their spidey senses. They were like, Damn it, y'all! <laughs> yeah, we, we messed up the the, yeah. the setup for the shot. Like, had to get everybody else in. Yeah, I felt I felt really bad because that day we didn't have our um, like our, our core camera operators. So they were like, "Who the fuck are these kids? Like, what what are you doing?" Well, like, sorry, just put, a bunch of extras yeah. who really want some screen time. They're like, right. <laughs> I feel like that's the best though, because you know, being serious all the time on set, nobody's gonna have a good time doing that. But having the chemistry that it seems like you all have is amazing. It seems like you guys are all so close, right? Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's pretty strange how quick we all clicked, and uh, that's a tongue twister. But we all moved into the same apartment complex. Rudy and I lived together in, in the same place the entire time. Um, and every weekend we were just all at mine and Rudy's place and it was just, yeah, there's so much to do in Charleston and there's so many great restaurants or some good bars or some good, you know, little clubs that we would go out to. So we just, it was almost like summer camp to where you're forced into this little thing. And then it's like, Netflix is going to sponsor it and they're going to (laughs) pay. We're like, okay, well, we got a little bit of extra cash and let's just have the best time ever. So while you're working on this show, which the script is so good and it's so fun in itself and then to do it with people that you actually enjoy being around it just made made for like this instant long-term family friendship that you have that's translated outside the show too like yeah for easter jd's mom cooked us all dinner and brought it over to our place because you know we're all quarantining together and we did that and then we've gone over there multiple times for dinner just sitting around the table with him and his family so it's just really cool to kind of have this experience and, and grow in that weird bubble of Charleston for the right. first season where like, we kind of didn't really know, like we knew we had a really cool project, but with Netflix and how the algorithm works, we're like, it could not work. Like it could just fall under the radar and nobody ever see it. So we were like, let's just take this experience just and run with it. it. Yeah. yeah. Let's just have a good time. And, and we'll always look back and say, this was, you know, a lot of fun outside of work as well as getting to work. And, yeah. um, Whatever happens, happens. Like, yeah, I think, like, the big thing for me that I've 
you know, kind of been really like surprised by, but in the best way possible is that, you know, like when you're on a set, especially or when you're on location, you're working together, you're together a lot and you might have this great friendship, but then, you know, when you move back home, sometimes that translates differently. People kind of drift apart, uh, which is totally fine. But it's so it's interesting because with this cast in particular, we came back to LA. It's just like we just like uprooted every like all the debauchery and just right landed like base planted yeah. back in LA. Like nothing changed, um, which is really cool because it's like I think we all have a really great core group of friends, and we also have the show in common too. So it's like the friendship it goes deep. and it's great because i think it comes through on the show like you can tell when people have real chemistry like yes you are playing friends but when there is that friendship in real life i think it's so transparent and so easy to see and you guys talked about the you mentioned the netflix obviously the algorithm people could have watched it people couldn't have watched it when when was the moment that you guys realized like okay, people are actually really watching this show and really loving it. I think the trailer was the first notification that we were on as something because I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'll just say it anyways. Um, (laughs) So Netflix, our marketing team was like, okay, you know, if the trailer gets, you know, half a million views in 24 hours, then we'll know we're on something. And so we kind of got that information. And then the next day when the trailer came out, we had hit, over a million views in the first four or five hours. So we were like, okay, like people actually dig this. And the worst part about it was Netflix does this like what to watch video that they release the beginning of the month to show you, but they keep just like consistent elevator themed music going undertoned on all of the shows for the same thing the entire time. So it was like this weird elevator music of me and my friends on a boat, like tackling each other. And it looked (laughs) so goddamn cheesy. And we all just were like, all right, well, and people were literally in the comments just bashing just it. Just shitting on it. Like, <laughs> bullshit. Like, shitting. oh my God. <laughs> the internet. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Just ultimate yeah. trolling was happening. Yeah. And then the trailer came out and that went really well. And then people sort of started to progressively dig into the show and be like, oh my gosh, this seems really sick. Yeah. And then the early reviews came out um, the day before the show came out. And I got dragged. They were like, Favorite okay, mix. they just took this Abercrombie looking kid and don't <laughs> a Netflix show and whatever. And one of my really good friends is the lead in Ryan Murphy's new Netflix series, Hollywood. And he and I went to high school together back in Florida and he's had the whole like Broadway success. He's multiple Tony nominees, Grammy nominated. And uh, he like gave me the biggest pep talk. He's like, just let it ride. Like my first reviews when I was on Broadway were he sucks is, you know, voice doesn't have emotion tied to it. And then five months later I'm nominated for a Tony. So I was like, okay, that's kind of good. But still, you know, subconsciously you're reading these reviews and you're like, Uh-oh. oh, dear God. And then <laughs> yeah. day, it just exploded. Like there was no, it was this strange timeline of like strange. everything shit hit the fan. Like it was zero to 60 immediately. And then social media got super weird really quick. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think when we got to LA, I had like 3,000 followers. And then the show's been out for a little over seven days now and I'm like closing in on half a million people and my brain just yeah. like doesn't process it just doesn't numbers. especially I think especially right now during quarantine too mm-hmm. like I mean obviously this show is out and in social media it's like it's crazy mm-hmm. um it's crazy right now but I think because we're kind of just all hunkered down it doesn't feel like anything has changed yeah it feels it's right like, about this last night it's like it's like when you have a birthday 
and the next day someone's like, how do you feel? Like, I don't feel yeah. like anything's different. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. You guys haven't had that like outside moment where people right. run to you and they're like, John B, we love you. Two. And okay. Two is insane. That's in, very, it's insane that it's only been two. Different in the ways that they work. So I was walking to, in my complex, like we have a little area where you can pick up like Amazon packages and stuff. And so I was going to pick it up and I'm walking back with like a you know, box in my hand and somebody was like, Oh my God, it's John B. And I was like, Oh, God, like I'm compromised. This is my apartment. Like, <laughs> yeah. Safe haven. And so like I zigzag through a bunch of buildings and then go back up to mine. And I was like, all right, cool. Didn't get followed. And then I was, um, cause we're quarantining at Maddie's with Drew, Rudy and, um, one of our friends, yeah, Elaine. One of our friends Elaine. Yeah. And so we were like, I was out front cause one of my buddies was coming by to get a pair of sunglasses from me. And so we were talking just out front of the building and I go through my DMS, you know, cause I try to respond to people every now and again, just stupid shit back and forth. And I look and Tara Reed had messaged me from American pie and all those movies. And she's like, Hey, I saw you in your blue hoodie in Hollywood. Like so excited to the show. And I'm like, what? what the- <laughs> Tara Reed yeah. of all people. So that was kind of weird. And then Ric Flair, that was like the big one for me, Ric Flair, the, the nature boy. Yeah. WWE. Yeah. Like, yeah, that he's obsessed, and so I sent him a video yesterday. So shout out to Rick Flair. Oh my out. gosh, yeah. that's insane! I mean, I was gonna ask you. I feel like you described it just like the overnight success, especially with the internet. I mean, we see it all the time. Like, just trolls right. are out of control, and also seeing all the people who like just become obsessed with you at the same time. Right. How do you guys? separate those two in your brain because I feel like this is something that's new to you guys dealing with hate versus love and you have to drown out all the hate. Sure. It's so funny because sometimes we'll just go on like well not something in the beginning like when people were dragging the show Chase and I would just go on and just kind of troll back at people um because I think I am a troll. Sometimes we (laughs) we can't shut up um (laughs) but uh yeah (laughs) because there are a lot of people that were were shitting on it because it wasn't shot in outer banks which obviously we have a very valid reason for not doing um because of the bathroom bill um but so we would just kind of clap back um but i forgot where i was going with this trolls 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 positive (laughs) effect (laughs) Uh, but anyways but but the thing is like after it's funny because the people the some of the same people who were like trolling on us after the trailer came out and after the show came out would come back and be like yo i take it back like the show is actually really fucking cool like i'm sorry Mm -hmm. or like when people would you know because some people would come to my page and they'd be like we passive aggressive comments like why wasn't it shot in north carolina i was like if you're gonna come to my page i'm gonna educate you um and so but it's interesting because like the amount of people that will like the passive aggressive comments versus the people that support the reasons we have for doing what we did is exponentially higher um so it's like it's been overwhelmingly positive um and so i think because of that it's easier to kind of keep our mouth shut yeah. Just because people have been so supportive. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard because sometimes you get that one negative comment and you really yeah. want to clap. It's like for every 12 good comments you get, you see one 
shithead. Yeah. You know, the show sucks. And then yeah. you're like, I'm going to just murder you right <laughs> yeah. now. Right. Virtually yeah. in the best way possible. But um, Yeah. We yeah. talk about it all the time where we always like write back mean yeah. comments and then we just screenshot it and send it to each other, but don't actually click send. Yeah. Because yeah. once you click send, there's, there's no coming back from it. And now they think they're, they won. And also the same people who will hate on you are also the same people. If they see you out they're going to be like, Oh my God, can I get a picture? So you just yeah. need to remember, they just want the yeah. attention. It's totally, right. It's, it's a lot of it has to do with clout. Like I've engaged in certain things that I'm not going to mention names because I don't want to give him the time of day, but like you engage in certain things and you realize afterwards, it's like, Oh, okay. This is totally because you realize that you can gain some attention. sort of attention for your own brand. Yeah own personal brand and I've just kind of given you that validation so Mm -hmm. I'm learning progressively as it's going that um sometimes it's totally fine to engage and and stand up for yourself and I think that's something that I'm trying to kind of um portray in in especially in our generation you know like people are such assholes on social media to see the specific image is such a narrative that has been driven to the younger generation so I've talked a lot about like, it's totally fine to stand up for yourself and not feel like you have to post, you know, the most glamorous shit that you can find. And that's totally fine. And, um, and sometimes if there's somebody completely trolling you, then by all means put your two cents in. But I'm learning because I, you know, growing up in the athletic community, like it's such a masculine thing to like stand your ground and be like, I'm going to kick your ass. So (laughs) I've had to like tone it back a little bit and, and learn like, Hey, I don't have to threaten people. I don't have to, you know, clap back to everybody because, yeah. you know, the ratio situation. It's like, it's really like a 90 to 10% with the feedback, which is yeah. crazy. Thing. It is crazy. It's really, it's really encouraging too. Mm-hmm. Cause like when you put something out there, it's like, you're just kind of taking your heart and your soul and you're just like, judge me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love me, yeah. please. Yeah. Right. Judge me. <laughs> but, but, but please be nice. <laughs> yeah. And you also, you created something that, you spent months doing and people watch in literally a day. Like Rhea yeah. watched first. She watched so fast, told me like, you have to watch it. I had to cut myself off like, because I had watched six episodes in a day. And then I was like, I'm just going to stay awake for 24 hours. Like I have to take a break. Yeah. And then I watched four. So like, it was in 24 hours and then, the sh- and then it was done. Like we had finished the whole thing. Um, and it's crazy. Like the anxiety ride during this show was fantastic. It made your heart pump in, in the best way. Um, we had a ton of people ask us what the most like intense emotional scene was for you guys to film. Ooh, I think for me, um, it was the scene where I come back to the house and I've just gone and seen Lana and I found out like the reality of my father's, you know situation yeah i'm home expecting my friends to be there because we're always there and then nobody's there and then i do the the viking funeral for my dad um that was a rough day because we literally shot that in sequence so we did lana so they had me walking through like shit fluff mud in the middle of the summer in charleston which is brutal smells yeah and it sticks to you and there's like oyster shells everywhere um so i was i was crying all morning and then i got a little bit of a break for lunch and then they shot um, the sequence of the, the flashback with her board and, and scooter. And then they jumped into the evening stuff where I walk into the house and I see my friends and um, we shoot a lot. Like there's not, we have never believed in like a, a three take type of thing. It's like, 
we're going to shoot every sequence. So we're going to go wide, we're going to push in, and then we're going to go into coverage, and we're going to do everything at least like eight or nine times so that we can really get into the grid of it and kind of lose track of like actually being filmed. Um, so, you know, when you're doing a take a total of, you know, 30 plus times and you're just crying entirely for that long, you're just, it's exhausting. Yeah. Like you really, yeah. it's like, I need to sleep for 17 days, but then I've got to get up at 5 a.m. and do it again. So yeah, that for me was for sure the, the roughest day. Yeah. I mean, especially towards the end, uh, Sarah goes through quite a bit. Um, so, but I, I think, um, I think, Probably the most distressing scene was the one um, at the police station or the S with the SBI, and then also the tarmac was oh, yeah. the tarmac yeah. was apparently the most exhausting three days for me on set, um, just yeah, because awesome. like you know we have the stuff in the plane like you know we're dragging Sarah into the plane and then she hits her head and then you know like and then the confrontation outside of the plane with Ward and John B and then Rafe shows up and then she sees someone get murdered by her brother. Like, yeah. And so that was my eyes for the next, after those three days, my eyes were swollen for two days straight because of all the crying. Um, and plus like it was, it was like midsummer in, in Charleston and the, it was like hundred degrees plus and then the tarmac and the tarmac you know the sun's bouncing up off the car yeah the heat so hot the emotional it was absolutely exhausting i mean those are some of i think eight nine and ten are my favorite episodes Mm -hmm. and i'm really really proud of how they turned out but i just i watched them and i'm like kind of get ptsd yeah a bit yeah like 10 minutes and it was three days of the most exhausting like the most exhausting shoot schedule on the shoot and i'm just like jeez thank you thank you so much to vix vapor rub for helping (laughs) because that's the thing is like you can only cry so much and that's yeah we go from we obviously we we punch it so we go wide then mid and then close up and so you know like when you're the thing is like when you're faced with those kinds of scenes it's not when you have such a great group of actors it's not hard to get there because of like taking in what's going on. You're like, Holy shit. Like, like the emotion is real. Um, and that'll last. But then once you get, because we shoot so much, once you get into the close up, you're like, I'm, I'm dehydrated because I've cried all all the water in my body. Um, and so (laughs) shout out to Holly for being like, do you need some Vicks? Just put it on your eyeballs and you'll, you'll cry for like the next three hours. Yeah. (laughs) And that actually worked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I had one scene in particular, speaking of Vix, where it's like in one of the later episodes when I meet back up with the Pogues and the blood is on my hands. And I had been, that was another day where I was like emotionally distraught. I'd shot the scene in the, the police station earlier that day. And, um, and so I had like this, it's a, uh, it's like a stick and you blow into the stick and it has, what's the, Stuff oh the menthol it, yeah it's got menthol in it menthol. and so it kind of like you know makes your eyes water up but i had, it had been left out in the sun and so i was like okay i just give me like a sh- quick little shot of it i want my eyes to be red and i've i have no tears left again it's like five days in a row where i'm just crying and upset and mad at the world and so she goes to blow it in my eyes and it was my fault because i left it in my my cast chair 
and she blew it in my eyes and the, the menthol had melted, the crystal had melted. So it shot the liquid into my eyes. Oh my God. I spray on steroids. And so I was literally, it could not see, like had to stop because I was completely blinded. I was dry heaving. Oh man. Middle of the summer. So I'm sweating my ass off. And <laughs> fucking frustrated as all get out. I'm just like, I can't fucking see. And Jonas is like, you good? You good? You ready to roll? And I'm like, no, dude, no. where are you at? Like, it was. He's like, all right, let's shoot. Yeah, so, I mean, there was, it was cool to, like, you know, as an actor be challenged. I yeah. think, especially in a YA show, you know, to go to the distance that we did in a lot of circumstances like that and make it feel real. Um, I mean, I'm super proud of everybody for, you know, making it feel somewhat authentic and, and realistic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was well worth it. Everything you guys did to achieve trying. Um, obviously, we very much enjoyed it. Um, how much input did you guys have in your own scenes? So, like, you received the script and you read it as it is. Do you guys think you changed a lot that was in it, or do you think it kind of stayed the same from the first time you read it? I wouldn't say a lot, but we did have a lot of input. We did a lot of improvised moments, um, like. For example, one of my favorite improvised moments was when we're outside the crane house and then Sarah goes inside with Key and then I tell her to be careful. And then JJ and Pope are like, be safe. Be so safe. That, that whole bit was improvised. Like none of that. Wow, was- that was one of my favorite moments I too. Hard I, that's, too yeah. yeah, that was great. And, and I was like, I'm going to kill you both. And then when JJ was like, oh, that was um and yeah, so it was cool. But a lot of the character choices, nuances, um, our writers are, are so cool about the fact yeah. that like they give us the world and they're so gifted in their actual writing too. So even a lot of, although there was some great improv moments, there was a lot of really funny scripted Really moments. great scripted moments. Um, but we did have a lot of input on our characters. Yeah, I think that what's really great is, I mean, I was in Charleston with JD and Rudy like from the beginning. Um, and the banter that JJ and Pope have is the same on the show as it is in real yeah. life, if not watered down. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they are that when you see them kind of go back and forth, that's, that's who they are to a T. Yeah. Like they are so funny together. Um, and I think what's great about our writers is that they saw that and they're like, let's capitalize on this. Mm-hmm y'all like just keep it going like doesn't matter if it's the same each each take like just keep going and the thing is like with those two every take is different like and they're coming up with things on the spot like they're incredible at improv um and I think what's also really great about the casting process is Lisa Mae Fincannon she is amazing at her job um and Jonas as well like they both have such a great sense of of people and character and so I think in the process they they were being so specific because they were looking for things that they wanted that people had that were mirrored in their characters Mm -hmm. so when you have a group of people that kind of have their characters in them a little bit they were able to trust us with the script and so we went off book quite a bit and you know they would guide us be like yes or no but um it was really cool to, to be a part of a young adult show where it was pretty flexible. Yeah. Yeah. There was one scene in particular that got cut that Rudy and JD had some of the funniest banter. Mm-hmm. And it's when we're in the Twinkie and we're going to the graveyard where my grandmother is buried. And there was one bit in particular where Rudy and JD were going back and forth fully improv. Like this was 
just a conversation that turned into like, Hey, we need to roll cameras on this. And it was a conversation about who would win in a fight. Would it be Clifford, the big red dog or Godzilla and why <laughs> it went on like 15 minutes straight. And Bo, our camera operator just stuck in the back. Like, <laughs> and I could not keep my shit together. Like it was the funniest thing. And then after that, they're probably going to kill me for saying this, but um, they were like going back and forth about Caillou and how they believe that Caillou is the spawn of Satan and <laughs> go mean the entire show. And I literally had to look at Bo and I was like, just don't point the camera at me. Like, I'm driving the car. I'm full tears listening to them. And me and Key are sitting in the front seat just in hysterics at this. And they're just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And so I'm so bummed it didn't make the cut, but like, I can't wait for the bloopers to come oh, out. I was just yeah. going to say, release I know. the deleted scenes. <laughs> yeah. it is, it's, it's obnoxious, yeah. like some of these takes. It's absolutely obnoxious. It, it's, it's so funny, too, because it would be like 3, 4 a.m., and JD and um, JD and J, not JJ, Rudy mm. would be going back and forth. And it's so funny. And they don't stop. Yeah. And like, ever and so like sometimes at like 3 or 4 a.m you're laughing but you're also crying a little bit because you're like please get it together like i want to go yeah please shut the fuck up all those yeah Yeah, it's hilarious we have jd and i have this inside joke it was um so it was it was a scene on the porch where like uh john b brings sarah to the post for the first time and um I, i was trying to be like moody and it's really hard to be moody when you've got um, Rudy and JD just going back and forth and I looked over and I didn't mean to have an attitude. I was like, do you stop? <laughs> do you <believe?" laughs> And so like, they were like, Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay. Sarah Cameron's here. And so now it's this, this inside joke between JD and I, we're just like, do you stop? <laughs> do you breathe? Um, but yeah, no, they're, they are like, two energizer bunnies they're just like bb's and freight cars they they just yeah yeah it's well we're yeah, very we, excited because yeah. we get to talk to them next week too <laughs> like, yeah we can't yeah. Like said, oh my god you guys are gonna have to cry it is yeah. we yeah i mean we we there was no way we were like we can't talk to them without talking to the other two and talking okay. to so we're we want we want everybody we want everything and i think the fans yeah. want to see all those videos because obviously oh we First were left on as much as we possibly yeah and and you guys have been great with posting like behind the scenes stuff have been really cool to watch and but i mean the show ended on a major cliffhanger and if you guys don't get a season two ria and i and all of our listeners will protest i'm gonna protest and so are the chicks in the office listeners because listen yeah the amount of dms i have gotten like oh my god i watched this show because you couldn't stop talking about it and i'm like netflix hello put yeah. me in France season two. like we could just be extras like we'll be yeah. in the back drinking that's all we yeah. need <laughs> yeah. 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 Party. Season two. that's it yeah if, you, if there's party. any like big party scene just toss us we're great we'll drink parties. in the back we're <laughs> up and pass for tv 16 if i can pass for yeah TV, yeah then y'all are good yeah <laughs> totally. I'm, i mean i'm 22 i feel like i can you're 22 right yeah. madeline and I'm, you're 27 yeah. I'm going on yeah. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. I, I'm I'm 25, and we got an alcohol delivery here the other day at the house, and um, the man looked at me and was like, uh, ma'am, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 25, I swear. Like, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, he was like, am I, am I just dropping off alcohol for someone underage? He was like, no, I'm 25. Like, I'll, I can show you my ID. Um, 
But I did want to ask you guys, yeah, I wanted to ask you guys about the end because obviously it's such um, a cliffhanger, but I want to know, like, what is your dream scenario for where Sarah and John B are right now? Um, I mean, obviously, I, for selfish purposes, I want to go to the tropics or the Bahamas. I don't know. I mean, I would love to do that. But I also, like, I, you know, we've talked about this with Jonas. Like, we kind of see this, like, Blue Lagoon, castaway type, you know, love story in the OBX world, uh, which I think would be really, really cool to shoot. Like, you know, have Sarah and John B, like, have a breather for a second in this really beautiful, like, idyllic situation in this, like, kind of honeymoon phase before all the things that they've been running from, like, catch up to them. And then we just go back. We, we just do a deep dive into the rabbit hole again. Um yeah, I would I would love. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, I think there's so many loose ends in the mm-hmm. show and it's yeah. so frustrating but also the most exciting, exciting part of it. Yeah. Um because like what happens with Ford, you know, like I threw him under the bus. Mm-hmm. Um like the cops, do they prosecute him? Am I going to get prosecuted? Like is she going to get prosecuted because besides being framed for murder, like I stole a cop car. I have assaulted people. I have breaking and entering charges. We ran like, from yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like, how does, you know, the, you know, lay of the land work out in those circumstances? Yeah. So I think for me, it's like, I want to see like the cultural elements of like being in the Bahamas because there's so many yeah. dark secrets of the Bahamas that people don't realize for surface value. Cause we're like, Oh, let's go on a Royal Caribbean cruise and go to right. get our hair braided in Nassau and go drink yeah. my ties at senior frogs. But like, what is the reality of the underbelly of this place and how quick are we going to get consumed by it? If yes. at all, you yeah, know, yeah. like, or just escape, you know, by the seat of our pants again. But I think it's exciting because Josh, Shannon and Jonas are like the master of cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. As you guys yeah. So yeah. Like, just to get our hands on materials, I think is going to be exciting when the time comes. For and, sure. You know, hopefully we don't have to go riot at the front of Netflix and we can just get this baby rolling. Yeah, definitely. I don't think we will have to. Yeah, I think I think you guys got it locked in. Um, unfortunately, yeah. we're being told we need to wrap up, or else Netflix is going to get mad at us. Um, yeah. One last question. They're going to yeah. get mad at me for asking this, so it has to be quick. But um, to wrap it up, how do you feel about the "I would die for John B." movement that the girls at Barstool Sports have started? For you? I fully support it. I'm 100 percent behind it. I, I literally almost shit my pants when I saw the shirt. I was like, this is thing. In the fact that it's tie-dye, I was like, you guys are it like... It looks so dubin. Yeah. Yeah. It's Listen, I, I told you, I shopped there before. I was like thinking about ideas, what would fit that fit together. And yeah. listen, shout out to you guys because it helped us. Our bosses were happy. They were like, great job <laughs> on that merch. <laughs> Um, but thank you guys for so much for joining us everybody go stream Outer Banks on Netflix if you haven't already please do it season 2 we need you thank you Chase and Madeline so much for joining us thank you guys for talking to us yeah till next time and rough and rowdy rough and rowdy you guys will be there I promise we'll all hang out we'll have a great time full like tuxedo suits with top hats and canes I'm gonna come in colonial wear perfect yep. we'll match perfect. you we'll, we'll figure yeah. it out <laughs> we'll, we'll pick themed outfits <laughs> thanks guys bye bye, bye.
All right, that wraps up today's episode of Chicks in the Office. Uh, we thank you guys for listening. We also thank all of our essential workers out there who are at work. They keep going to work while some of us stay at home. We thank you guys so much. Uh, we hope that we keep you entertained. We're going to keep doing so every Monday and Thursday. We love you guys. Thank you again. Well, can't you see that it's just raining? There ain't no need to go outside. Hardly even notice when I try to show you. Song is meant to keep you doing what you're supposed to. Waking up too early, maybe we could sleep. Make you banana pancakes, pretend like it's the weekend now. And we could pretend it all the time. Can't you see that it's just raining? There ain't no need to go outside But just maybe like a ukulele Mama made a baby Really don't mind the practice Cause you're my little lady Lady, lady, love me Cause I love to lay your lazy We could close the curtains Pretend like there's no world outside Then we could pretend it all the time Can't you see that it's just raining? There ain't no need to go outside. Ain't no need, ain't no need. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Can't you see, can't you see? Rain all day and I don't mind. But the telephone singing, ringing, it's too early. Don't pick it up We don't need to We got everything we need Right here and everything we need Is enough Just so easy When the whole world Fits inside of your arms Do we really need to Pay attention to the alarm Wake up slow Mm-mm. Wake up slow Even though when I try to show you this song is meant to keep you from doing what you're supposed to waking up too early, maybe we could sleep, make you banana pancakes, pretend like it's the weekend now. And we could pretend it all the time. Yeah. Can't you see that it's just raining? There ain't no need to go outside. Ain't no need, ain't no need Rain all day and I really, really, really don't mind Can't you see, can't you see